eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome in to the Sunday Side Sessions. That feeling you have right now that used to be normal. Nebraska used to win and you used to wake up on Sundays and think, okay, what's next? And that's what's happening today. And what's next for you, since you're listening to this, is Jake Sorensen from Early Break joining us on the Sunday Side Session to break down Nebraska's win against Indiana, to walk through his Twitter feed. All sorts of fun will be happening today. Jake Sorensen, how are we doing? You know, like you said, Schaefer, it feels pretty good to, to have a Sunday where we're talking about a win um, and and the positives of that. So I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing well. Nice to get a win against Indiana, a team that we had circled before the season as a likely win. Um, maybe it wasn't that way as much before yesterday for fans, but they did it. So give them the win. Uh, one and one in conference play and We'll see where things go from here. Yeah, if if Jake, if you had to condense yesterday's game down into just a couple things, like what what two things sort of stand out for you coming off of Nebraska's thirty five twenty one win over Indiana? Well, I think I'd start first with what, what my biggest question was. I think most fans was what what would the defense look like? I mean, this is a defense that looked horrible, frankly horrible, the first four games, and last night they gave up less than three hundred yards of offense. I mean. Indiana scored 21 points. Only 14 of those were from the defense because the other seven was the uh, you know, sack in the end zone resulting in the fumble by Chubba Purdy. So I think that giving up 14 points to that offense, less than 300 yards of offense, and only 14 first downs was remarkable. Um, you saw 
Um, you know, a new cornerback, Hartzog, out there, a true freshman that replaced Tommy Hill, um, which I thought well, he looked pretty good. He also had a, got a touchdown on the block punt. So, I mean, Schaefer, I, I just thought even though it was sloppy with the, the penalties, 12 penalties for Nebraska, 11 for Indiana, uh, I thought all three phases of Nebraska's game looked pretty good, defense, special teams, and offense. Um, they all had, you know, a, a little lull once in a while, but overall – I think you saw a complete game, and that's why you saw a 14-point victory because all phases were complementary, which we have not seen for quite some time. So what I always find kind of interesting when Nebraska has these sort of performances, they come out and they play well. They come out and they finally kind of look like the team you think that you were going to get most of the season. What do you think is repeatable? What's, what can they carry over from this game, take with them to New Jersey, take with them to West Lafayette, uh, take with them throughout the rest of the season. They still have, what are we looking at here? We're looking at Nebraska has seven games left on its regular season. What What's repeatable in your mind? What, what do you think they can bank on as they move forward these next seven games? Well, I think a couple of things, Schaefer. I mean, I think people said going into that game last night, hey, can we get, make this an Anthony Grant game? Can we make this a running game? I mean, he had 32 carries right? 30, in the 30s for carries last night which we have not seen in a long time for running back. you, you got to go back years, it feels like, to get, see a, a running back with that many carries in a ball game. I, I want to see the top running back get hot. And, and maybe A.J. Allen's absence with the injury allowed that to happen. We did see Gabe Irvin still a little bit last night. Um, but I thought you know, Anthony Grant was able to kind of get on a roll. And so that's repeatable if you let him – if he stays healthy and if the line continues to – to block well, but I, I tell you what, I, I like the picture too. I mean, we'll see what they do. I, I like the picture of Hunter Anthony at right tackle. I think when he was in there, um, he looked pretty good. And so we'll see if that's something that they continue with instead of Bryce Benhart at right tackle. Um, but I mean, they, they can repeat defensively. Just they seem like they were there in their assignments. They, they were sound. So all the confusion we heard about and maybe the, you know, just lining up in the wrong spots, not being gap sound the first four weeks. I didn't see a defense that was like overthinking last night. They were truly playing just smart and simple football and weren't giving up the big play. And I realized that Cam Camper didn't play for Indiana. That was a big loss for their top receiver. But they they did they did what they had to against what they were going against. So I I mean I don't know what if if this team can stay consistent because we still don't know how good they are overall. But I think number one, you know, keep feeding Anthony Grant the ball. Let that guy get hot and open up, you know, the deep ball for Trey as you saw a couple of times. And um, I think that can be repeatable. Nebraska ran the ball 51 times yesterday. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would not have guessed that if you were just like asking me at the start of, of this show here, Hey, how many carries do you think Nebraska had as a team? I would have thought probably more about 38 to 40, but yeah, it's 51 times for them. Uh, it wasn't the greatest average. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of losses in there. Casey Thompson took some big sacks right. that basically really sort of negate or the intentional groundings or whatever it was that kind of negate some of the, the total rushing yards. But I, I'm with you. I, I really feel like Anthony Grant can be, um, a, a bell cow for Nebraska. We saw last night they, they loaded him up in a way that, you know, Diedrich Mills has had a couple games like that where I think he had like 28 carries in 2019 against Iowa. Um, 
Divino Zigbo, I don't know, ever got to a number that high. I mean, I, I think you'd be going back to, to Amir Abdullah at that point where you're just loading a guy up. But I think Anthony Grant can be that kind of running back. And I I don't know where you're at with it, Jake, but I have I have quite a bit of confidence in individual pieces on Nebraska's offense from those skill position players. I mean, I spent all offseason sort of being skeptical about if Trey Palmer could be a number one wide receiver. I feel like that's been answered here five games into Nebraska's season. I mean, this is a guy that he and Casey Thompson find ways to 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 kind of hook up on important downs and important moments. I mean, that 71-yard touchdown last night, the, basically at the beginning of the fourth quarter, really kind of snuck up on people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it happened so fast. I don't even know that the stadium sort of reacted in the way that you would expect with just that huge sort of noise. It was almost like a, wait, that just happened kind of thing. So I, yeah. I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Trey Palmer. Obviously, Anthony Grant, I think, has been a revelation for this team and has been since – since August, the first game they played. And really, for these guys since spring, I think they knew pretty quickly Anthony Grant was going to be special. And then I, he got randomly benched and inexplicably benched, quite frankly, if you're me. But I I think Casey Thompson's been good for Nebraska. I, I Like, for a guy who basically knows once a game, he's going to get absolutely knocked out or borderline knocked out because his protection is that bad. He holds on to the ball a little long because he's trying to wait for receivers to get open or to try to make big plays. I know that, you know, sitting next to Michael Brunson in the press box, he wishes he would have scrambled a little bit more in some of those situations. But I, I just, I look at their skill position players, and it's just like if they can just get a few other things to where they need to be, you know, on defense, on the offensive line, I think Nebraska's talent is fine. I think they can win with these guys. And I've I've come away just sort of impressed by how all three of them, none of these guys were on Nebraska's roster on December whatever when when things sort of flipped over to 2022. And for them to come together through five games, your leading rusher, your leading passer, your leading wide receiver, and they're all guys that, you know, could put up pretty good numbers if, if the team starts playing in the right direction. I mean, I just I, I've just been really impressed by the offensive skill guys this year. Yeah, I go back to what you're saying about Casey getting pulled. I mean, I thought that was – it was kind of weird. I mean, we've seen weird things at Nebraska, especially putting your quarterback in at his own, what, eight-yard line? Yeah, that's – I'm fine. Like, if, if you want to play the whole we wanted to get Chubba Purdy snaps, I'm fine with that. It's just a weird time to put him in at that point in the game and – and just at your own eight-yard line. Sorry, yeah. I'll let you go. No, I, I I thought that was a little weird. But, again, we've seen some weird uh, decisions by Nebraska over the last couple of years, so I guess that just lumps them in. I mean, it didn't, it didn't kill them. It did, that play killed them. They did get the touchdown in the end zone, unfortunately. But to your point about the guys who are new, I mean, yeah, Trey Palmer was great. Eight catches for 157, uh, a touchdown, the long 71-yarder. Like, like you said, Schaefer, I mean, at that point, the conversation in the crowd before that touchdown was, my God, this game is never going to end. Penalty <laughs> after penalty after penalty. I mean, that third quarter took forever, and there was no points scored in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter. It was, unless that was late in the third, that touchdown. But regardless, it just took an eternity because there was laundry on every single play. So that was the conversation about who's going to win this terrible 
uh, sloppy game, but Nebraska came up on top. And like you said, Palmer's a big reason why. Casey had some nice deep throws there. Um, you know, I, I thought kind of a sneaky play in that game that was important for Nebraska was, you know, the great interception. Um, was it was it Reimer that had the pick that was kind of on the guy that was on the ground? Uh, and then Casey threw the pick the next play, but that was at the one-yard line. So you kind of yeah. – you. You know, obviously you want to score that job, but you pinned them at the ones. They couldn't do anything really much with that. Um, but no, I, I uh, I'm up, I'm optimistic. I think you were kind of curious. Hey, what what would look different in these games following the you know the firing of Scott Frost offensively? And we had not seen much of Oliver Martin before last night. Or had mm-hmm. we this season? Three you know, three catches for 65 yards looked pretty good. You know, Marcus Washington had had two catches for Nebraska, so. I, I like their, their skill, guys. Like you said, um, it comes down to, as you and Bruns mentioned, you know, can, can Casey get off, get rid of the ball quicker? Can he maybe scramble once in a while? And obviously, the question is we've had all year long is, is can the line protect? And I thought even though they gave up four sacks last night, at, at certain times the line looked pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Well, one of the things they did, and this is – you know, if you want to talk about what's a little bit different in 2022, I think you've seen more in-game coaching adjustments that have worked out for Nebraska than what we saw in the previous few years. And one of those adjustments wasn't just a personnel thing. It was, all right, we're finally going to acknowledge if we just drop straight back, it's not going to go that well. Yeah. So we're going to just start rolling Casey Thompson. And they started rolling him out in the fourth quarter, and it, it went pretty well. I mean, yeah. I – you know, I don't know that that's a strategy that you can employ for an entire game, though we did see a uh, a pretty young Derek Carr do it against Nebraska for Fresno State back in the day, where every single play he was just rolling out to the right. And I mean, he had a big day in Memorial Stadium. They didn't win. But I, you know, I don't I don't know if Casey Thompson's going to be doing that, but getting him on the move a little bit, I think is helpful because just those straight dropbacks just feel so dangerous at times and it's it's not even necessarily the four guys up front bringing pressure he said i i jake have no confidence that whether it's thompson whether it's trent hickson whether it's any of the offensive linemen i just don't think they ever know where the pressure is coming from like they just have no feel for it i mean and indiana was blitzing from deep spots and still getting home i mean it just there, there was a lot going on there, and an offensive line and, and offensive protection is going to be, you know, a conversation through the rest of the season. But uh, I, I did like the wrinkle of, of rolling guys out. I, you mentioned Oliver Martin; he had three big catches. Every one of his catches was an important moment uh, for Nebraska. I mean, obviously, the first one was an absolutely beautiful touchdown. Third play for Nebraska from offense in the first quarter, um, and then he had a he had. Two other catches, I think both for first downs. I think one was a, a critical third down, and then another was, you know, helped him move the ball in the in the third quarter, uh, or in the fourth quarter. So, you know, he's he's a guy that has a lot of talent. He just sort of disappears for long stretches, um, you know, throughout his career. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Because yeah. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda hasn't been healthy. He wasn't playing yesterday. Um, you know, Marcus Washington's been a really nice third or fourth wide receiver for Nebraska. But if they could have a guy that sort of can play opposite of Trey Palmer and, and give you some production there, I think that would be that would be really helpful. Let me let me throw this at you. How much of Nebraska's defense last night looked better because they simply tackled better 
in no, one-on-one well, on one situations. A ton of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a couple. I remember one particular, I think Isaac Gifford had a really, really good open field tackle. That was like, dang, that was, you know, we've been missing that for a while. Was it, was it when they threw it to Nebraska's sideline on like a quick sort of yes. yeah. play out in which, you know, when Northwestern did it, someone would overrun the play yeah. and that guy would yeah. be running for 20 yards? That, that's one play that stands out. I'm like, dang, I mean, that's exactly it. That's a play that in these other few games that a guy overruns it, miss, misses the tackle, goes for 20 yards, and, and you know, here he goes a first down. You know, that was a, a negative play there for, for Illinois or Indiana. It was either zero or negative, and that was a great play by Isaac Gifford. But that, that happened a couple of times. You know, they, they were simply tackling better. This is going to go to the conversation that people will say, well, you know, now they're tackling in practice. Of course, they're tackling better. I don't know where people stand with that. But I can tell you that, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, a big part of this was you didn't see a ton. You know, there was a few missed tackles still. I mean, you're never going to have a perfect game. But there's the play. I think the, the guy juked out two Nebraska players. I forget who it was, and, and it was going down the sideline uh, for Indiana. But, yeah, I mean, they, they were sound in their assignments. Didn't really see many busts at all either. Maybe a few, but not many. Um, but, yeah, they tackle well. So, absolutely, it's a, it's a big reason why the defense looked better last night. Yeah, um, another thing that I thought super valuable for Nebraska, Garrett Nelson had a big impact on this game. I, I just feel like so much of the first four games of the season was waiting to see more from O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson. And Nelson in particular, it, with Mathis, I never really knew what to expect. But Garrett Nelson has had stretches where he's been Nebraska's best defensive player at times, or at least the most disruptive. And it didn't feel that way at all through four games. It felt that way last night. I mean, he had he had the two sacks to lead the team there. I think he had a hurry. I mean, he was just in on a lot of plays. Nebraska had five hurries, I believe, yesterday. They had eight pass breakups. It just felt like what I thought Nebraska's secondary could be coming into the season and Nebraska's, you know, defense against the other team's, um, you know, pass. It, it, this felt more of what I thought we were going to see out of Nebraska than certainly the first four games and especially – that atrocious, it's going to look even worse in five years lost to Georgia Southern. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, they have not won since that game, uh, I don't believe. But, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that, you know, you could build off of here. And this is why we kept saying, Shapers, that, you know, this team has potential. Can they, can they get a little more discipline, which didn't happen in penalties, but in terms of the way they played defensively, they were more disciplined in the assignments. And so if they had lost last night, I just don't know how you get – the belief in the team that you know we you can go and win at Rutgers, win at Purdue, because you just lost potentially you're one of your more more winnable games on the rest of the schedule. And so the fact they won, absolutely. I mean, you, you go to Rutgers now. Rutgers has not been very good the last couple weeks. They got they got blown out by Ohio State, which is not a surprise, but they did. You know, Iowa beat them pretty handily two weeks ago. Um, that game seems a little less intimidating than it did maybe a few weeks ago. I mean, certainly it's a road game. The road games are tough. But Nebraska's last visit out there was was a, was a win uh, a couple years ago in 2020. So th- some of those guys are still on the team that experienced that. Um, but if you if you beat Rutgers, Schaefer, I mean I, now you're two and one in conference play. You're back you're to back three, to 500. I mean you're back to 500. Purdue had a nice win yesterday against Minnesota, but I mean O'Connell's kind of banged up. He did play in that game. If if he's not healthy, he got a chance there. And um, I'm not saying again. I'm not trying to look too far ahead in the future because it's 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 one win but you, you just you just can't get that confidence if you lose that game last night so they they won you saw the the post-game celebration was awesome they were chanting mickey in the locker room 
Um, I, I think it's a team that's pretty cohesive right now on the same page, which I'm not sure it was for the, the previous four games of the season. But I'm curious where a team that appears to be hungry um, can go. I mean, you it had kind of the look of, of, a, of a team like one of those Illinois teams of the past that was trying to find its way to win, which I hate comparing to teams that are not good, but – Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska is trying to learn to win again. They just haven't sure. won at a high level for a long time, and um, just seeing that elation and that, and that togetherness, um, you, you can you can you know make some you know make some noise and, and cause some damage if you continue to play sound football and and uh, you know become kind of the pest of the West, I suppose. Yeah, yesterday was very much a balm uh, for for sort of the burn that you felt for Nebraska's season so far this year. Nobody in the Big Ten West looks unbeatable. Uh, you know, every game on Nebraska's schedule, save for Michigan, feels like if they play a certain way, they have an opportunity to win. It didn't feel that way coming into Saturday, but you saw, I mean, Minnesota's human. They've got injuries. They've got concerns. They may not put up a lot of points in Big Ten play. Wisconsin looks like as bad as maybe we've ever seen. Them. I've never seen them. Um, I, I don't want to call Illinois world beaters. And do you know why? They lost to this Indiana team earlier this season. Yep. Proving that they aren't necessarily incapable of stubbing their toe. Purdue, a team that I was pretty high on coming into the year, have two very close losses in the fourth quarter. And they play a different brand of football than what we've come accustomed to with Purdue. Uh, but that game's in a couple weeks. We'll see where things are at. And then, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always sort of viewed this stretch as very critical for Nebraska, regardless of how things went before or after it. But you have these four games in October against teams that traditionally you expect to win against. If you can go three and one in this stretch and it didn't matter how they started or how they finished, you're going to give yourself an opportunity uh, to potentially you know, go to a bowl game. And if you go four and oh in this stretch, then we really can start talking about a November uh, that, you know, has some real potential to be explosive. But you're 1-0 now. You got to get to 2-0. Uh, like Mickey Joseph said, 24-hour rule. You can enjoy it. And then we got to get back to work. I don't even know if he's giving them the full 24 because it's a shortened week. Maybe yeah. they only really get 12. Friday then, game. You know, right. Right. Uh, so they're, uh, they are they got to get back rolling. So we'll, we'll see how that looks. All right. I haven't done this on the Sunday side session before. But we're going to do something new here. Okay. I am going to pull up the Jake Sorensen Twitter feed. And we we're going to walk through some tweets last night. <laughs> and you're just going to tell us what you were thinking in that moment. And we'll just sort of discuss it. It is yes. going to be a podcast version of the Jake Sorensen Watch. A beloved Twitter meme that is no longer really in existence. I tried to bring it back yesterday. Did it didn't you, work that great. Did you do but one last Yeah, I, I did. I don't know that anyone noticed. I don't think I saw it. It was in a barrage of – they probably threw the touchdown pass like immediately after. Okay. Uh, right. I missed it. Okay. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's what we got. At uh, I'm, I'm going to try to timestamp these as much as possible. All right. At, six, at 6.47 p.m., which I believe was like 20 seconds after Nebraska scored their opening drive touchdown. Jake Sorensen tweets, and if you want to follow Jake Sorensen for the full yeah. experience, it is at, yeah, <laughs> at 93.7 Jake Sorensen. So be sure to do that. Great follow. You'll get more Dolphins talk than you ever thought possible. It'll be, and then if you're, boy, if you're around for Nebraska basketball season, it's just a double dip of glory right there. So here we go. 647. So what you want about Mickey, his energy is incredible though. How can you not get jacked up to play for that dude? What were you seeing here? Walk us well, through it. Well, uh, I'll t- yeah, I'll take you back. That was after the score of the touchdown. <laughs> I can take you back in time. I, I mean, this is not, I don't want to take a shot at any previous coaches or, you know, whether it's. You can take as many shots as you want because based on the numbers, not that many people are listening. Okay, fine. Um, Mickey just is a guy that, you know, he gets jacked up. Like, I like a coach that's got some raw run. I know people bash P.J. Fleck for having that. You know, he's an intense guy. But, I mean, if I was a player and my coach is just like, just give me a hug and come, you know, come run down the sideline to come congratulate me, I want to fight for that too. And, And Mickey appeared the whole game to have that resolve. And I just love that kind of demeanor from a coach, you know? I mean, I go back to, I'll bring the Dolphins into play. And there's a, years ago that they had a RIP, Tony Sperano was a guy that was just, you know, pump, fist pumping all the time, jacking guys. I mean, I get, getting guys all pumped up. And uh, I love that. That was, that was awesome. So coaches that really, you know, show the emotion and, and, and show it to their players. That's what Mickey does. And I, I love that. And I think if you're a player, like I said, it's how could you not get jacked up to play for that guy? I truly mean that. So that that tweet was for sure in the right state of mind. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know what this one's all about, yep, too. Almost an exact hour later, I believe at 747, we get an all-caps special teams with three exclamation points. You weren't expecting uh, Malcolm Hartzog to score a touchdown on a punt block there? No. Nebraska's first punt block for a touchdown since Justin Blatchford in Waco in 2009? No, I wasn't. That uh, caught you by surprise, Jake? It did. I don't get surprised very often. There's Sip likes to point out on the show. Uh, but I, I was surprised. And what I was surprised by was anybody blocking for Indiana on that play? Because there's like five guys got through the line. So Kalarovic blocks the punt, and then Hartzog picks it up and – it goes. It was it was a, a great um, call by Nebraska to bring the house there. But I was like, who's who's blocking for the Hoosiers? There's nobody here that's uh, even allowing any sort of problems for this. Like three guys could have blocked that punt. But I was impressed. It was a, a good moment to go up 21-7 at that point. Uh, obviously, the Hoosiers still tied up 21 all at halftime. Um, but no, that was that was sweet. We haven't seen that for a long time. That that's the kind of stuff that Iowa does when their offense sucks. That changes things. And, I hate being like Iowa or comparing to Iowa, but man, they just do the stuff that that pisses you off when you're playing them. Like like last year, they did the same thing. They were down by 15, got the block punt. 
Nebraska still leading, but the game was effectively over at that point still. All right. So on tweet one, we had a PJ Fleck reference. On tweet yep. two, we had an Iowa reference. Very excited to see what happens here on tweet three. 30 minutes later, 817. Not sure I've ever seen a player have a personal foul on back-to-back plays. Damn, man. All right, Turner Corcoran, what was going on there? Well, I got to tell you, I, I, I stand by that. Have you seen a guy ever get back-to-back personal fouls in the game? Two different plays uh, back-to-back? I, not, no one comes to mind. If anyone did it, it would be an offensive lineman. And if I was watching the game, chances are it was a Minnesota Viking. I don't yeah. know which offensive yeah. lineman could have done that, but uh, I, I saw that Jay Foreman informed you that he wants to he wants to accomplish this in the NFL. So like, I guess know. it happens there. Well, my I think my favorite part about that was the way the ref was like, <laughs> kind of like talking <laughs> like he was a kid, like because of his actions, number sixty nine has been ejected from the game. That's what he said. No, 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 no. <laughs> you didn't even get it right. Because of his own actions, number sixty nine has ejected himself <laughs> from the game. As if he has this button that he presses that shoots him yeah. up out of the, the stadium. He's been ejected. I thought it was incredible. Just quote by the ref. My, I was laughing. I'm like, wow. I've never heard it said like that before. But okay, yeah. Turner. And, and then you saw there, Mickey Joseph got in his face too. So he's pissed about that. So again, Mickey, raw, raw coach, but also he'll, he'll get in your face. So, but I, yeah, I stand by it. That was something I have not seen, at least in the college level at Nebraska, maybe ever. All right. The at nine, at nine twelve, fifty-five minutes later, the <laughs> aforementioned referees had clearly taken over this contest, as you tweeted. Refs in this Nebraska Indiana game: colon, and then we get the "I'm the captain now," Jim. Well, it it felt like every play or every other play there was a flag called, and I, as I mentioned, the, the longest third quarter in the history of college football um, was was in play there, and. Maybe they're all legitimate. I don't know. But, you know, if, if I'm a ref, I don't call a flag every time I see something. I'm, I'm supposed to. But we don't see that very often. Uh, you see 23 penalties in a, in a football game. Yeah, I just thought they, it was kind of the ref show in the third quarter. Really did, Shafe. Really did. Yeah. I mean, I, I have nothing I can add to that. It was horrendously officiated. When I saw the crew um, at the I, – I never pay attention until they, like, zoom in on the, the coin flip. And I saw the white hat and I was like, the first thing I thought of was the Jojo Doman interference call against Michigan, which still ranks up there among the most inexplicably poor calls I've ever seen. I didn't even think about disconcerting signals. I didn't think about how Cam Jurgens got a personal foul for playing through the whistle against Oklahoma. Yep, I mean, yep. I like so much that crew should be banned from Nebraska games, not because of their own ineptitude. But because Nebraska fans shouldn't have to experience them, but I guarantee that we're going to see him again at some point this season, and I don't know when that's going to be, but hopefully it, it goes somewhat better than whatever the hell that was. All right. So following the uh, following the what was what movie is that from? Captain Phillips. That's, uh, Captain Phillips. Yeah. All right. Tom, Tom Hanks. Yeah. This this was just seven minutes later. So something something had popped up here. Jake Sorensen at nine twenty four. This is just a horrendous football game. I, I can take you to that moment in specific. I mean, I, I believe both teams, you know, again, flag, 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 back and forth. I mean, you just seen so many what third and twenty twos and second and 
18s because of flags on first and second down. So I think at that point, I was just sick of nobody really doing anything because the flags were crippling them. I mean, there was no points in the third quarter at, at 21 all. It was just, it was truly a, a terrible third quarter for both teams. It was a bad football game until Nebraska pulled away in the fourth. Um, so that was definitely after Nebraska probably failed to achieve a first down on third and 22 and got three yards. And I just like, this is just awful. This is just so bad for both teams who are, are getting a rough showed here today. And, um, and yeah, the offenses aren't doing much. The defenses are just not having to do much because the offensive flags are, are helping them out. So that's why I tweeted out. It was a truly horrendous football game. The yeah, fourth quarter it, was much better. <laughs> so for those that don't know, up in the press box, they have their own PA announcer that always gives it down in the distance uh, and tells you who made a tackle or, you know, the result of a play, that kind of thing. And he uh, he was struggling in the third quarter because there was such weird distances on these like second and third down. And there was one point in time where like there was an incomplete pass and he was he's just kind of like, yeah, it's going to be uh all right, third down and eight. No, th- third third down and 23? <laughs> just, That's what I mean. It's just, a, just an abomination of a football game in the right. third quarter. Right. So, I mean, even, even the PA announcers were finding uh, yesterday's contest to be a little bit ridiculous. So, all right, one last one here, and we'll finish up with this. Nebraska matches the amount of conference wins they had all of last season. How many more are they going to get? How many more, Jake? How many more wins for this Nebraska team? Uh, here's the deal. I mean, like you said a little bit ago, this this October is is gettable. I mean, what Rutgers is a is not a scary game. It's a road game, but it's not scary. Purdue, depending on how you know O'Connell's health is, is scary, but it's, it's winnable if you, if you if you're right offensively um, and, and get right defensively too. Um, Illinois, like you said you know, earlier, they, they're not world beaters, but they're good. They, Brett Bielema has them playing hard. I got to stand for you in that one, Schaefer. This, this shocked me. This shocked me. Yesterday, Wisconsin against Illinois had 24 carries for two yards. Yeah. Wisconsin. So they had a formula to say, we know Graham Mertz sucks, so let's make sure they run the football. They can't. Do you know what that formula is? That formula is we want Graham Mertz to drop back as many times as possible because our team's probably going to have as many catches as their wide receivers. And he wasn't wrong. Uh, I think they were stacking <laughs> the box with nine guys, and they couldn't do anything. You know that strategy is employable against about every Wisconsin team we've ever watched because yeah, they just they have to have, other than Iowa, they have to have the worst possible quarterback play. I don't understand. And, and your boy, Alex Hornibrook, there was no difference in that as well. He was certainly uh, the same Not my problem. Um, no, I, I, I think, you know, honestly, as long as they keep playing well, if we keep building off this, you can snap some ugly streaks. I mean, you can snap, snap a long streak of losing to Iowa. It depends where you're at mentally at that point um, and where they're at, if they've improved. Wisconsin, we just mentioned, that, that is, that's as winnable as it ever has been. They look awful. Their defense is in shambles. Their offense sucks. you got to win that game this year. It's in Lincoln, right? That game's in Lincoln? It's in Lincoln. In Lincoln. we got to beat Wisconsin. Um, in Michigan, yeah, that's probably a loss in the road in Ann Arbor. But, <laughs> but hey, Minnesota was human yesterday. If, nope. if they tend to slip a little bit and then you get a little – again, if you're on a 
a heater. You've lost, I think, three straight games to those guys as well. So let's let's end three streaks. Can we do that? I hate to get so much confidence after one win, but and I'm not going to, but but I, I think that it's it's for the taking if they can follow this up with a couple wins here and and really experience, hey, this is what winning feels like. We like this. Let's keep it going. So yeah. I mean, they can probably get to if they play well. They could probably get three or four more wins in conference play, but I'm not going to say they will. They could. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think I feel pretty confident that they're going to win at least two more games. And then after that, it's kind of a matter of can they take care of business against teams that have sort of tormented them. Yep. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see sort of where those things land. But overall, I I feel like Nebraska's in a in an okay spot. I mean, if they if they go take care of Rutgers, the conversation's gonna get really interesting. For you, we'll we'll finish on this specifically because I don't want to. I got accused last night because I tweeted something about Trev Alberts being an AD, a coach would want to play for. I got accused of focusing too much on the coaching search. Okay, so I wanted to I wanted to keep this at the very end, and I want to keep it Mickey specific. What what do you think has to happen for Nebraska beyond just like ripping off five wins for Mickey Joseph to really kind of cement himself as a real candidate in this job? Well, I mean, uh, number one, like you said, the wins are the biggest thing. If if he wins right. a bunch of games, I mean, he's going to be an actual. He, he should yep. be. He should be a top candidate. And, and that's the obvious one. Like, I, I mean, you you're yeah. not going to make him your head coach if they go two and ten. No, no, he wouldn't. Look, I I would say this. I mean, even even going back to last night, and you, you can blame the refs or not for this, but you know, clean up the penalties. I don't. There's a lot of those that were actually you know, they were legit. They probably all were legit. Oh yeah, they always get called. 12 penalties for over 100 yards. I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games with that. I mean, Indiana had a lot of penalties too, but you just – you can't have that many penalties. You can't and win the game. They won, but you're not beating Iowa with that many penalties. You're not beating Wisconsin. You're just not going to do that. So I would say if you can clean up that, see a more disciplined team that's not getting personal fouls, it's not you know having committing a bunch of holding penalties – or untimely pass interferences on third and longs, you know, that kind of stuff can help him and, and Trev say, Hey, we're actually seeing in season progress with this stuff. That's a key. And, and, if, and if Bill Bush's defense looks like it did last night, I mean, 14 points allowed to Indiana with seven by the offense on the, on the strip sack. Uh, I mean, that that's helpful. That that's showing that I saw something that I need to fire a coordinator I'm going to put this guy in this position. Let I'm going to trust him, and if it looks at least respectable the rest of the season, and they win some games, and the defense is it looks competent, then yeah, he's going to have a chance. Besides just the obvious of, of the wins, but um, but number number one from last night in terms of a negative, you get clean up the penalties. That that's got to happen. You're not winning many games with 12 penalties. All right, it is an, an NFL free Sunday for you if you choose to go that route. How are you? Uh, how are you? Yeah, the Dolphins played on Thursday. They unfortunately suffered their first loss of the season. Yeah, um, I hate Thursday night football. They'll they'll be okay. I'm not I'm not real worried about it. I it's just a small blip in the radar. What What are you doing of your Sunday today? What how are How are you spending your victory Sunday? Uh, I'm gonna play golf later this afternoon. Uh, it's supposed to be a good day. Um, I'll, I'll probably still watch NFL, you know, just for the sake of I love watching NFL and uh, fantasy football stuff. But 
it, it, it's it's so much more fun on a Sunday when you've actually won on Thursday. You can just kind of take it in. That's why it's a, it stings because I'm 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 just have to relive my loss now, knowing that I got to hope the Bills lose to the Ravens or the Patriots lose or the Jets. You know all this kind of stuff, and I, and I can't control my destiny today because we already lost our game. It's just, you can never it, control your destiny. It's painful. It's painful. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I personally control the yeah. The puppet master, Jake Sorensen. That's me. No, I'll probably watch NFL. Uh, watch, play some golf this afternoon, um, and just enjoy the nice day. But it, it's going to be nice to not have to to sulk and find you know ways to discuss why Nebraska lost another game. They won. They won the game. We're on a one and zero streak right now, Schaefer. One and zero streak October, every week. October is out to a great start. Every week, Nebraska's looking to just go 1-0. 1-0. That's all it is. That's all it is. All right, Jake, we appreciate your time, as always, here with Husker 24-7. Uh, I will see you and talk to you on Thursday. People can listen to that. They can listen to early break every day of the week, should they choose, from 6 to 8 a.m. on 93.7 The Ticket out of Lincoln. Uh, but Husker 24-7 will be back with more podcasts. Next week, we'll have our Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll have a Husker 24-7 hype cast. It'll get you fired up for some football in New Jersey, the birthplace of college football, Piscataway. Yes. yes. So Husker 24-7 will get that all going. For Jake Sorensen, I'm Mike Schaefer. I'll catch you next time here on the Sunday Side Session. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.